We're still talking about hookups and outbreaks, and today we're talking about what a woman should look for in a man. And all the ladies said, what a woman should look for in a man. Hallelujah. What a woman should look for in a man. And before we get into the message, here are some interesting statistics that I came across. You might want to reduce the bottom and use the gain. Um, interesting statistics that I came across during the week. And uh, this will just interest you. Some of the ladies, please hear it. Brother Chris, this is the census uh, that happened in 2011 in South Africa. Wait there. So basically, I know a lot of you uh, through Barbershop Talk and uh, the grapevine thought that there was uh, two or three. Some, some think the ratio is four women for every man. Now, I got interested and I went and I looked at the statistic to see if it was true. Because how many of you know that people lie? Men lie? Women lie? But numbers don't lie. Amen. Amen. So basically, according to the statistic uh, of 2011, the census, there is, uh, this is what the graph looks like. 51%, this is the, the total population in South Africa, and it's comprised of 51% women and 49% men. Alright, next slide. For us, we live in Johannesburg. Alright, this is also basically throughout the whole South Africa. Uh, between the ages of 20 to 24, there's about 101 men for every 100 women. Statistically. So in other words, we have one guy over. That we have to figure out what to do with him. Amen? Amen. But if you go and ask your friends, you know what they'll tell you? They'll tell you there are no men. It looks like the numbers don't confirm that. Amen? Uh, between the ages of 25 to 29, we still have 101 for every 100 women. Between the ages of 30 to 34, the number even goes higher. We have 102 men for every 100 women. So there is no biological clock ticking louder. The stats are to your advantage, ladies. And today we're going to be speaking to you, ladies. And uh, between the ages of 35 to 39, well, the numbers start to dip. We have 97 and 40 to 44, 91 and 45 to uh, 49, 84. And the average is 95 men for every 100 women. Next slide. Now for black people. And all my black people say it. <laughs> this is for you. Between 20 and 24, 100. 25 to 29, 101. 30 to 34, 102. So they are eligible black bachelors out there. Amen. So when you pray, pray with this knowledge. Amen. The Bible says people perish for a lack of knowledge. 35 to 39, 97. 40 to 44, 89. And 45 to 49, 82. And the average is 94. Not very bad. Next slide. In Gauteng. Now, we want to bring it to where you are. <laughs> Johannesburg. Amen. Watch what happens. In Gauteng, the population is 12 million. And uh, singles are what? The population. This is 24% of the uh, national population. Next slide. And, and, oh, by the way, go back. 
quickly. So we have 50% men and 50% women. So there is an equal percentage between men and women, according to the census of 2011. Next slide. For every 100 women, this is in, uh, uh, just a fun fact. For every 100 women, there is 102 in Houteng. But if you go to the West Rand, <laughs> for every 109 men, there is 100 women. And I know some of you ladies are like, I don't care where the Westland is, girl. I'm moving to the Westland. <laughs> Amen. So these are just the statistics that we are dealing with. Amen. And uh, moving right along, I got a question before we move into today's marriage. Someone said, at what point, pastor, am I considered married? Now, this is a question, a valid question. And I think uh, it stems from other sects of the body of Christ, religious sects of the body of Christ, I would call them, that say you are not married until you have what is called a white wedding. Have you ever heard of that? So when I heard that, I went to the Bible to try and investigate because the Bible is our final authority. Hallelujah. So I went to investigate and the only time the word wedding is mentioned in scripture is uh, when Jesus attended one uh, at Cana. Remember the story? But the unfortunate thing about that setting is that they didn't bring us to the we wedding event uh, uh, at the church service. We are brought into the setting when they are already at what they would call the reception. So they are already celebrating. So we didn't get to actually peep in to see what had happened prior. So I kept reading my Bible to see if I could come up with something uh, from scripture and the only other two events that we see uh, uh, the process of an individual actually getting married is in Exodus chapter number 2 verse 20 to 22 quickly Exodus chapter number 2 verse 20 to 22 so at what point am I considered married and I think it's a valid question and the Bible says and he said unto his daughters where is he? He's asking about the boyfriend. He said, why is it that you have left the man? Call him that he may eat bread. Sounds like my in-laws. said, call him in. <laughs> we want to see him. And Moses was content to dwell with the man, his father-in-law. And the man gave Moses Zipporah, his daughter. And watch what happened next verse. And she bare him a son, and he called him his name Jeshom, for he said, I have been a stranger in a strange land. So the transaction was deemed complete when the father of the daughter took the hand of his daughter and placed it into Moses' hand. And said, listen, I have given you my daughter to marry. Amen? We, we didn't see anything about... Uh, a white dress. Sorry to burst your bubble, ladies. And listen, I, I've got nothing against uh, you having a white wedding. But my responsibility as the pastor of this church to God is to present with you with the accurate, nothing but scriptural, accurate truth. And what you do with it is totally up to you. So according to scripture, and I'm not trying to say white weddings are bad. I had one. In fact, we had two. 
at the same time. Amen? Nothing wrong with it. But I don't want you to get into a religious bondage where you have to go to a bank and uh, 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 get a loan. They call it a lobola, uh, white wedding loan. And then you start off your marriage in debt because you think God won't recognize your marriage if you don't do certain things. I don't want you to be in that religious bondage. Go ahead and have white weddings, but don't have them because you feel like God will not approve of your marriage if you do not have In fact, the first ever white wedding only happened in 1840. This means Jesus never attended one. <laughs> until 1840. And this was Prince Albert and Queen Victoria in England. And then when the missionaries came, they taught you and I that there is a thing called white wedding. And they made it a part of the doctrine. Someone say doctrine. Notice I didn't say they made it part of the scripture. Couldn't. They made it a part of the doctrine. So it's a doctrine. Go with me as we close this issue uh, to Genesis chapter number 20. I'm going to read from verse 50 to 59. Genesis chapter number 20. Verse 50 to 59. If you have it, say I have it. Genesis 24. From verse 50 to 59. This was when uh, Abraham had sent his servant to go and look for a wife for his son, Isaac. And uh, when he went, uh, the in-laws invited him in, the servant. And this is where we are going to start reading. Then Laban and Bethuel answered and said, The thing proceedeth from the Lord, we cannot speak unto thee bad or good. So the servant had said, Listen, I would like to take Rebekah back with me so that she can marry Isaac. And then the brother, Laban, go back, and Methuel, the father, the father Laban and the brother Bethuel answered and said, Listen, it's fine. You can take our sister and our daughter back with you to marry Isaac. Watch what happens. Verse 51. Behold, Rebekah is before you. Take her and go and let her be your master's son's wife. As the Lord hath spoken. Verse 52. And it came to pass that when Abraham's servant heard these words, he worshipped the Lord, bowing himself to the earth. Next verse. And the servant brought forth jewels of silver and jewels of gold and raiment and gave them to Rebekah and gave also to her brother and to her mother precious things. What does this sound like? Keep reading. And they did eat and drink and he and the men that were with him and tarried all night and they rose up in the morning and said, Send me away unto my master. Verse 55. And her brother and her mother said, Let the damsel abide with us a few days. At, at least ten. After that, she shall go. Oh, the damsel is the babe. For those who don't know. That's Rebecca. Next verse. And he said unto them, Hinder me not, seeing the Lord has prospered my way. Send me away that I may go to my master. Next verse. And they said, 
we will call Rebecca, in other words, we will call the damsel, and inquire at her mouth. You know when they call uh, uh, the lady in, and then they ask, do you know this man? That's what happened. And then they also asked, would you like to marry this man? So she also has to consent. So there are two parties here. The father of the bride and the bride herself have to consent to getting married to the man. And then watch what happens. And they called Rebecca and said unto her, will you go with this man? And she said, I will go. She didn't say, you're forcing me to go. She said, I will go. Next verse. And they sent their way, Rebecca and their sister, and their nurse, and Abraham's servant, and his men. And from this day onwards, they lived as husband and wife. These are the biblical facts to answer the question, at what point am I married? I believe, according to scripture, you are married when the father of the bride takes the hand of, the, of his daughter and places it in your hand as the man and say, I am committing her to you as your wife from this day onwards. Amen? And then the pastors can come in and pray with you and pray for you. But uh, the most important parties in this transaction are the man, the woman, and the father of the bride, as we have read in Scripture. Amen? I hope it answers the question. What should a woman look for in a man? Well, the two most important things... Uh, decisions you will ever make in your uh, life are number one the god that you serve and number two the person you will get married to these two decisions will either make you or break you and here i have to say it is a thousand times someone say a thousand times it's a thousand times better to live as a single person than to be married to the wrong person it is a thousand times better i've seen people broken i've seen people destroyed because they uh, uh, entered into a marriage lightly. It is not something to be entered into lightly. And today we're going to help you ladies uh, with some characteristics to look for in a man before you say, I do. Amen? Number one, look for a Christian man. One out of every two marriages in South Africa end in a divorce. That's 50%. Unless they practice these three Christian disciplines. Number one, pray together. Number two, attend church together. Number three, read the Bible together. Then the statistic move from one out of, out of every two to one out of every 1,500. So when the Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter number 6, verse 14, do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. God knows what he is talking about. See, the, stakes are, uh, uh, the odds are stacked against you if you marry an unbeliever. You are dealing with a 50-50 situation. But when you're married, someone who is committed to God, someone who is a Christian, someone who serves God, your odds shift. And it becomes one out of every 1,500. And you might want to consider their religion before you say, I do. Amen. Quickly, may I please have Second Corinthians chapter number 6. From verse 14 in the Message Bible, uh, Brother Chris, we're going to read verse 14 and verse 15. Watch what it says. Do not become partners with those who reject God. How can you make a partnership out of right and wrong? That's not partnership. That's war. 
Did you see that? And a lot of people are not getting into a covenantal partnership when they're getting, when they get married, they're going into a war zone. You know why? Because they are going in with Jesus and he is coming in with the devil because anyone that does not carry Jesus on the inside of them carry the devil. Amen? And it's, it's war. How can light and darkness fellowship together? So ladies, this thing about, you know, pastor, he's not saved, but you know, I'm trusting God. You know, this uh, uh, evangelistical missionary dating, God never called you. To be a missionary in dating. Pastor, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to preach to them and convert them and change them. No, let God change them. You look for a finished product. Amen? You don't have enough time in the earth realm to be praying and changing somebody. Just look for a finished Just go with God. If God says marry a believer, marry a believer. It will save you so much grief. Hallelujah. Amen. Number two, uh, look for a man with a vision that excites you. Amen. Amen. Look for a man with a vision that excites you. Genesis chapter number two, verse 18 says, God created uh, the woman to help the man. Amen. Amen. So you must have a vision. You must be doing something that needs help. If he needs you. Amen. Because you are going in there as a helper. So if he's doing nothing, guess what? People that are doing nothing don't need any help. So if, he, if his vision does not excite you, you have no business even looking in that direction. Hallelujah. The Bible says for a man to work. And one of the challenges uh, that God dealt with right in the garden, one of the challenges, the number one reason why people break up is uh, financial reasons, you know, money. And, and God dealt with that right from the start. When he created Adam, he put him in the garden and gave him a job. Before Eve ever came on the scene, he said, dude, you need to get your hands to work. And he went on to say, he who does not work must also not eat. So this principle of work is consistent throughout the whole scripture. So before you say I do, look at the man's vision and see if you will be willing to support and help him achieve that vision. Right. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Man, I'm telling you, he needs to get his hands on some money. Right. If the marriage is going to work. <laughs> Amen. Amen. No, that's true. I mean, they sang a song uh, back in the day. They said, uh, uh, no romance without finance. <laughs> Remember that song? No romance without finance. It's a prophetic song. You better have a J-O-B if you want to be with me. <laughs> Amen. Amen. So, Look at his vision and make sure that his vision excites you. Think twice if they will not work. For it is God's will for men, every man, to go to work and to put their hands to working on something. Number three, look for a man 
with integrity. Someone say integrity. The basic definition for the word integrity is to have your words and your actions lined up. What you say and what you do must be one. It must line up. Amen? Integrity is like the tip of the iceberg. Don't ignore it. You know, that whole big Titanic sinked because they ignored the tip of the iceberg. They just thought, oh no, it's just a tip. But underneath the tip was a full-on, full-blown iceberg that could sink one of the biggest machines mankind has ever made. So don't ignore when a man has no integrity, when they enjoy lying to people. They just like lying. They, they don't see anything wrong with it. And th sometimes they even tell you, you're sitting with them in the car and they tell you, I'm about to lie to this person that I'm 30 minutes away. I'm not even going in that direction. Don't ignore those tips of the iceberg. Because underneath the tip of the iceberg is a huge iceberg of infidelity. is a huge iceberg of abuse. is a huge iceberg of mistrust, dishonest, dishonesty, and disrespect. So when you see that they lack integrity, it is something for you to consider. You can say amen to that. See, because marriage does not create problems. It only reveals them. Go with me to Proverbs chapter number 10, verse 9. Proverbs chapter number 10, verse 9. Glory. Thank you, Jesus. Can you give it to me in the uh, NIV, please? Proverbs chapter number 10. Watch what it says. It says, the man of integrity walks securely. So, ladies, if you want security in your marriage, I'm talking about emotional security. If you want emotional security in your marriage, make sure you look at the man and see if he is, he possesses the quality of integrity or not. Because it is from integrity that the man can walk in security. Amen? Watch what it says. But he who takes the crooked paths will be found out. So if there is no integrity, if you say what you don't mean, if you do all these crazy things, guess what? You will be found out. Hallelujah? So make sure you look for a man that says what they mean and mean what they say. Look for integrity. Amen? Number four. Look for a man who is faithful. Someone say faithfulness. faithfulness. And let me tell you, the source of all faithfulness to a spouse is the fear of God. So if you want to look for a man that is going to be faithful to you, ladies, look for a man who fears God. The only reason, now if you don't catch anything today, catch this one thing. The only reason a man will not cheat on you. The only reason is because they fear God. That's the only reason. It is not because you're pretty. You know, I used to have uh, friends back in college. used to say, you know what, Farah, I'm going to keep myself tight. So that when he marries me, you won't be able to look at other women. Now, that's all foolish. You know why? 
Because you looking pretty does not make other people look ugly. Amen. So what keeps a man in the home is not even food. They say, well, if you cook nice food, you stay. No, it's not even food. What keeps a man in the home faithful to his wife is the fear of God. Remember the story of Joseph and uh, Potiphar? Remember what happened? Potiphar's wife came to try and seduce uh, Joseph. And Joseph ran away. From Potiphar's wife, I remember uh, uh, preaching at a youth camp and I said, man, God said in his word uh, concerning sexual sin, when it comes your way, run! <laughs> and then one boy was sitting right at the front uh, uh, in the church service said, Pastor, in which direction? <laughs> <laughs> when we say run, we're talking about running away from sexual sin amen what did joseph say he said i will not commit this sin not against potiphar who is my boss not against man he said why would i do such a wicked thing against god he looked at it as him transgressing god and the only thing that will keep your man faithful is the fear of God. So if you want to look for a faithful man, look for a man that reverence God. By fear of God, we're not talking about being frightful. We're talking about that reverence that comes when you are in the presence of God. A man that honors God in everything that they do. They honor God in their finances. They honor God in their time. Amen? They honor God with their words. Hallelujah. Because if they don't honor God, trust me, they will not honor you. Hallelujah. So, look for a man who is faithful. Someone say faithfulness. Number five. I have to go very fast because we have ten here. Look for a man who loves God more than they love you. I, I, just a few... Uh, uh, months ago, I met with someone. Uh, we had just gone through a divorce, uh, a gentleman, and they said the reason why he was going through a divorce is because the wife felt like he loved God. She, he loved God more than he loved her. And I thought, man, that's a great guy to be with. A man who loves God more than they love you, because that's the that's how it's supposed to be. See, if they love you more than they love God, they're going to be obsessed with you. And you don't want to marry that kind of a guy. Because when things go south, or when you have a problem, they'll tell you something like, if, if I can't have you, then nobody else should. And put a gun to your head. And They're crazy. People like that are crazy. It's craziness to think that you can love a man more than you love God. And don't let them bring their craziness in your life. Now, the law of association says, we become like our spouses as we grow together. Now, this is also true physically. You know, I've walked into places and people say, you look like your wife. But when we met, we didn't look uh, alike. But as you grow together, you know, I start to get prettier and prettier and prettier and prettier. Amen? I said, Amen. <laughs> So as you grow together, the law of association says you become like your spouse. So if you marry a God-hater, chances are 
your love for God is going to be diluted. And you don't want that. So look for a man who loves God. Look for a man. If you meet a man who's crazy about God more than you, marry that man. Pronto. Don't even wait. In fact, the Bible says the husband is the priest of the home. He's the one that steers the spiritual life of the household. So you want him to steer it in the right direction. Hallelujah. Number six, look for a man whose leadership you're willing to follow. You know, women always say, oh man, pastor, we don't agree with this submission thing and so on and so forth. But God is not going to change his rules concerning that. He said, wives, submit to your men and that's it. It's not going to change. I can't help you. I wish I could. I can't help you. God put it in his word and that's how he wants the family to function and that's it. But at least, ladies, you have an option to choose out of all the fools in South Africa, six million of them, which one you're willing to submit to their leadership. And once you choose, there you go. See, the Bible says, for how can two walk together unless they agree? And your part, ladies, is to agree to be in submission to his leadership. So if you don't think he's a great leader before you marry him, don't marry him. Don't marry him and then try to make him a great leader. No, just don't marry the dude. Amen? If you don't agree to his leadership skills, man, I, you know, just move on to the next one. Amen? Because God has called you to submit to the man's leadership. First Timothy chapter number 3 from verse 2 to 6 in the Message Bible. This is the kind of guy you should look for. A man who lacks leadership qualities will keep his family stuck in one place. Amen. First Timothy 3 from verse 2 to 6 in the Message Bible. Watch what it says. But there are preconditions. A leader must be well thought of. So this dude that you're thinking of dating, you must think well of them. Don't date someone that you don't think well of. You know, when you are out of their presence, you and your girlfriends talk about them like a dog. Why go ahead and date someone like that? Amen? You, they must be well thought of. Number two, committed to his wife. There must be commitment from him towards you. Cool and collected. No speed. Zungu, apana zungu. Amen. Accessible. They must be accessible. You know when you have a fight and they just close off and you know, you know. No, they must be accessible. And hospitable. You know? They, they walk into the house and everyone says, uh, uh, Good afternoon, daddy. Oh, no, no. Good afternoon, daddy. Oh. And then they just get their newspaper and they sit down and they start reading. They, they're just not hospitable. And you can see these signs, ladies, before you even marry the man. Amen? I said amen. amen. He must know what he's talking about. Before you, before you say I do, check to see if the guy knows what he's talking about. <laughs> Next verse. These are the preconditions. Not to be over fond of wine. 
Make sure they are not over fond of wine. Make sure they are not pushy, but gentle. Yeah, you're going to do, you're going to do it. What did I say? No, not that kind of guy. You don't want to marry that. Not thin-skinned. Thick-skinned. Not money-hungry. You know the people that would do anything for money? Next verse. He must handle his own affairs well. So check to see how he handles his own affairs. Attentive to his own children, if he has children, and having their respect. If his own children, his, his own children don't even respect him, that's a sign. He's got no leadership fiber in him. Next verse. For if someone is unable to handle his own affairs, how can he take care of God's church? Next verse. He must not be a new believer, lest the position... Oh, this is talking about the church. Forget about that part. Alright, next verse. Next point. We said he must have what? Leadership skills, right? Uh, leadership that you are willing to follow. I beg your pardon. What are we on now? Number, number seven. Look for a man who seeks to please those that matter to you. Isolators are deadly. I have to preach about this. Look for a man who looks to please those that matter to you. Not a man who looks to isolate you from those that matter to you. The first thing I did when I met my wife uh, and I knew uh, I wanted to marry this woman was to take her to my uh, brother and my sister-in-law's house as a friend. Just to see uh, what would happen, you know. Uh, is she going to seek to please them? Or is she not going to like them? You know, there are certain uh, 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 females and men that you introduce them to people that matter to you and instantly they don't like them. You know, I, I don't like your relatives. I just don't like them. Huh? For what? What have they done to you? No, I just don't like them. Huh? I don't think you should hang with them from today onwards. Huh? And they want to isolate you and... Uh, Sometimes it's for manipulation and sometimes it's for abuse because they know that if they abuse you, you don't have a support system. You don't have people around that you can go to to seek counseling. So do not ever marry a man that does not seek to please those that matter to you. When my father-in-law or my mother-in-law visit us, man, uh, uh, I do everything I can during the year to make sure that when they visit us, once uh, a year they visit us, they're going to come to a house and see their daughter happier than she's ever been in her life before. You know why? Because if it matters to them, it matters to me. And, and after I took her to my brother and my sister-in-law's house, man, I, I was just so happy about the chemistry. And I took her to my uh, pastor's house and we, we had a three-man dinner. Just the three of us, you know, we had dinner and then after that we played scrabbles. Just to see, you know, because sometimes informal settings reveal the truth about people and what kind of people they are. So ladies, consider this. If a man wants to isolate you, if they want to take you away from the people that matter to you, then there is something wrong. Amen. I said amen. So do not consider... Marrying isolators. A man who seeks to isolate you from your support system, the support system of your immediate family, is a good-for-nothing kind of brother. 
trifling. You know that song? He is trifling. Number eight. Look for a man who is emotionally healthy. There is nothing as frustrating as starting a marriage with a big baby. Man, you don't even have children, but you do have one, grown-up one, in your house. Look for a man who's emotionally stable, emotionally healthy. And two signs that an individual is not emotionally healthy are, number one, selfishness. They talk about themselves more than they talk about anything else. Red flag. Hallelujah. And number two, greed. Proverbs chapter number 15 from verse 27. In fact, that's the only scripture we'll read there. In the New Living Translation, if you have it, and the Message Bible afterwards. Proverbs 15, 27. Watch what it says. Greed brings grief to the whole family. So if they are emotionally unstable and they are greedy, the grief is not only coming to them, it goes to the whole family. You included, ladies. So you don't want this. But those who hate, bri who hate bribes will leave. Message Bible. A greedy and grasping person destroys community. Those who refuse to exploit leave and let leave. Amen? And the opposite of that is kindness and generosity when you meet a man who will bless you through thick and thin who will look to do more to give to you to minister to you marry that man amen not to try and get from you see marriage is not a place to get it is a place to give for both parties it is not a give and take uh, uh, covenant it is a give and give scenario amen number nine look for a man with self control. Look for a man with self-control. Proverbs 29 verse 11. If you have the New American Standard. Proverbs 29 verse 11. 29 verse 11. Here's what it says. It says, a fool always loses his temper but a wise man holds it back see don't marry a man that is full of anger full of temper full of uh, uncontrolled emotions marry a man that is control self-control of their emotions amen i said amen, amen. see because if i walk around with a glass full of water if you bump me what will happen just a little bit just bump me just a little bit what will happen and that's what happens when a man is full of anger. Just, just, you know, just a little something. And all hell breaks loose. And this can be a lifestyle. It can be a daily occurrence in your household if you don't pay attention to these things. Hallelujah. You just ask him, where were you? And it's an innocent question. You want to know where they were. And man, it will just turn into another you don't need that you know tell your girlfriend you don't need that drama you, you know. tell your single girlfriend you don't need that tap someone who's single and tell them 
You don't need this drama. You, you don't. You. Amen. You don't need this drama. Hallelujah. Genesis. Uh, finally, number ten. We have about four minutes, and then we'll pray. Look for a man that will prioritize you. Look for a man that will prioritize you over their own family, siblings. Hallelujah. Uh, uh, and and the parents. This is what happened a few years ago when I moved from Kwekwe to Arare to stay with my brother. He set me down and he said, let me tell you something. Let me break something uh, down to you and for you. He said, listen, here's the order of hierarchy uh, in my life. Uh, my first priority is God. And right after God is my wife. And right after my wife is my children. And after my children is my mother. And then maybe after my mother we'll see if there's a vacancy to fit you in. And I was moving in to stay with them and he said, listen, and because of that, if there's an issue between you and my wife and someone has to go, I'll give you two chances to guess as who will be going. <laughs> it was very clear and he said it to me and man, it helped me. It helped me because I had priorities mixed up. How many of you know that siblings can have priorities mixed up? They think your wife is the outsider coming in. No, 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 no. Your wife is the insider. You be the outsider trying to come in. And from that day onwards, he said, listen, there are responsibilities. You have a responsibility to make sure that my wife is happy. And if you make her happy, you keep me happy. If you make her sad, unfortunately, you're going to make me sad. So you know what I'll do? I'll wake up in the morning. I'll wash both their cars. I would get into the garden. I would uh, wash the dishes, you know. Sometimes siblings want to come to your house. You feed them. You uh, cook for them. Then they take the... They just leave the plate there and just sit. And just sit around and do nothing. <laughs> and you know what I did? Uh, uh, I'm very close to my brother-in-law. And when he comes to visit us, man, I teach him these principles. I set him down and I said, young man, uh, let me school you on some life principles. You're going to have to do some work here to keep your sister happy. Because... If she gets angry, she's going to ban you from visiting and I can't help you. See, because I'm on her team, not your team. <laughs> I love you, but listen, I, I know which team I belong to. So you want to marry a man that knows which team they belong to, that prioritizes you as their wife. In fact, that's the first thing God said. Two, two problems that cause problems in every marriage is number one finances and number two in-laws and God dealt with them in Genesis right in the beginning the first thing he did with man he was put him in a garden gave him a job the second thing he told the man was listen leave then shall the man leave his father and his mother and he shall be joined to his wife and him and his aunt and his brother and his sister and his aunt and his uh, uncle and uh, mama D and papa D will become one flesh is that what it says he says him and his wife will become one flesh. Just the two of them. Yeah. And you can only cleave when you have left. And you, so those of you who come to the Bible school, you know that Craig Moore said it like this. He said, at the top of the list is God. And right after God is your wife. And after your wife is... And you know, when I talk to my uh, little two-year-old daughter and i've seen i've seen her tricks already you know she tries to when my wife and i are sitting watching tv she you know she comes in and she want to sit she sit in the middle you know and every time something happens you know i try to discipline her she goes to mommy and she says mommy look dad look at what he's doing what is she trying to do she's already trying to come in between us and you know i tell her i tell her like this honey don't talk to my wife like that 
And she says, but that's not wife, that's mommy. And I said, no, to you it's mommy, but to me it's my wife. And I talk to everybody around like that. Amen? So marry a man that will prioritize you. Even above their family. You must marry a man that understands that it is their duty, it is their responsibility to protect their wife. Now, picture it this way. If my brother's wife, my sister-in-law had come to me and said, listen, and broke it down the exact same way he broke it down, how would I have reacted? It's been crazy. But guess what? He didn't leave the burden to take care of what needed to be taken care of to his wife. You know why? Because it would have exposed his wife. And a lot of men expose their wives instead of protecting their wives. Listen, I've said it before and I'm going to say it again. If you come to me to try and tell me and convince me that my wife is wrong uh, about something or on something and uh, uh, even if she's wrong, let me tell you up front, I will never agree with you. Because I don't play on your team, I play on our team. It's not, it's, it's not you, it's me. And I have to live with her all the days of my life. Listen, here's another way. No, you won't. I mean, let's be honest. You, you, you don't have to go home and, you know, ask what's for dinner. You can come and just say whatever you want and walk home. I have to go back home, Baba. And this is, this is real. Amen? And, and, and ladies, this is a big one. Look at their understanding of these dynamics. It's also a revelation of leadership. Look at their understanding. Gents, we are to protect our wives. That's what God has called us to do. Not to expose them. Hallelujah. And this was the what? The tenth one? So we are done. And I want you to say something to you. None of these qualities that I've given you today have anything to do with physical appearance. Did you see that? Did you see that? I was watching a dating show just the other day and the lady said, I mean this was a guy who possessed probably 10, all 10 of these qualities and she said she didn't want to be with him because he had an African face. What, what is even that? What's that? What's an African face? In fact, you should marry them because they have an African face. You look up, you see how we treat ourselves? Amen? And let me tell you, looks are perishable. Looks, they vanish. I mean, every time Tate, man, back in college, every time would go out and people would dress up and so on and so forth. You know what? The ladies would go to the mirror and they would check to see if it was there. Because they know that one day one day they will wake up and check and it will no longer be there. Because if you know it's always going to be there, why would you check? They would dress up, man, and go before the mirror and check and see, Ooh, is, oh, it's still there. Oh, thank God. You know why? Because looks are perishable. And don't base your decision making on how they look like. And I have to quit because I'm out of time. Next week, we're going to be talking about 
what a man should look for in a woman. Why don't you stand on your feet? Hallelujah.